You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Father John and I went to seminary together at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena years ago. Um, and it's, uh, it's such a joy, actually, to not only um, have these friends as we plant churches together, because he also planted Res LA, which he'll tell you a little bit about. Um, and we're over here in Austin, planting Res Austin. So to have brothers like this who are doing this similar work is super encouraging, because we get on the phone with these guys and go, did this just happen to you? Or what happened? You know, tell me more about this or that. So he's been a, a good friend, but he's also been a, a good colleague and a brother in ministry. And I'm so excited to share him and Rez's life in LA with you guys. Would you guys welcome Father John Ziegler? Thanks, bud. Amen. Uh, let me pray. Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, would you renew us in all the world? Amen. Hey, it's so good uh, to be with you guys here at Res Austin. Um, I have followed you guys so much on the World Wide Web, on social media, on Instagram. I like every post that's posted up there, and I'm such a big fan of you guys. Um, I, I'm sure, I know what it's like when you're, you're doing ministry in a big city, you're going to a church like this, there's these huge, you know, Baptist church down the road, whatever you got down there, and you're coming here and you're doing this thing that feels really awesome, also kind of weird, right? You've got some candles, you've got some incense, and you sometimes might feel like you're kind of a going against the grain. And... Um, I just want you to know that your parish here is an inspiration to pastors and church planners around the country. They're watching you guys. They're watching Father Sean. We're all calling Father Sean and we're saying, hey, what do I do here? How do I do this? Um, I love what you, that sign you made. Can I steal that? All the time we're calling him. And um, you might not know this, but he's just like an, an amazing inspiration and encouragement and um, yeah, I can, I can say this, ministry does get, it get kind of lonely sometimes, you know. So just to be with these guys in the trenches. So all of you might not know uh, Father Matt Autry, but he's here today too. It was so great to have that gospel reading with that southern accent. Was it, that was the most beautiful southern. Is my mic on? Can you guys hear me? I've got a lot more. So by the way, I'm from Los Angeles, California, but I'm really from New Orleans. So not too far down the road here. And I kind of have a loud, a loud New Orleans mouth, and the New Orleans accent might slip out a few times in there. So um, it's okay to make fun of me. My own, my own parish does that very often when I slip into my, my New Orleans-isms. So good to be here. I got my buddy Andrew Fike back there. The first sermon I heard when I moved to L.A. preached by Andrew, also in seminary with us now in Austinite. And of course, Johnny is from our congregation on loan to you. I don't know if you guys have met him. But um, he's ours. You can't have him. you got to send him back when he's done with his, his job here, okay? All right. Today is the Feast of the Holy Trinity. And if you want to know more about the doctrine of the Trinity, I encourage you guys to go to the adult formation class that happens here at, at 9 a.m. 
where in the catechism you can dig really deep into the doctrine. Actually, every Christian should work towards a basic understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity, because really the triune God is at the center of the Christian faith. But more importantly than knowing the doctrine of the Trinity is actually knowing the Trinity. Do you know the Father? Do you know this good and perfect and loving Father who is merciful and who delights in his children? Do you know the Son, God who humbled himself and took on a body like ours and lived in poverty as a servant, lived and died for the sake of others, risen and exalted as Lord? Do you know him? Are you learning from him? Are you modeling your life after him? Do you know God the Holy Spirit? Have you received the promised gift of the Father? Are you tuned into that love that God poured out into your heart? Are you using the gifts the Spirit gave you for the sake of others? It's one thing to know about the Trinity. It's another thing to know the Trinity. Our reading this morning in Romans talks about the Trinity and kind of the economy of the Trinity and how those persons are at work saving us. And I want to spend a little time talking about that passage this morning. But what I really want to do this morning is I want to share a few missionary stories with you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I actually didn't grow up with all these robes and candles and incense and stuff, although I've made my, my decisions in this direction. I'm, I'm the son of a Pentecostal preacher, man, okay? And so I don't know about you guys, but we grew up with having these missionaries that would come speak at our church, and they would tell stories, and they would encourage us and challenge us. Is it okay if I just share with you guys just some stories about what God's doing at Res LA? I mean, I know you guys are just amazing, but I think you'll find, and also in these stories, that like God's moving, right? I'm sure you'll see, you'll see yourselves in, in these stories. So I'm just going to share a little bit, all right? Is that okay? Can I do that? I mean, just so you know, if you're here for the first time, this is a very Bible-based church. Read three passages of Scripture. Sean preaches straight on Scripture every time. We're going to go a little Pentecostal off-road this morning. Is that okay? You guys okay? All right. And they, he told me only 20 minutes, but I don't see a clock anywhere, so I have no sense of time. <laughs> So, like when I get to uh, 18, just hold your hand up, bro. All right, so by the way, I've got a family too, okay? So I'm Father John, but I'm actually married to Jana, who's also a priest and co-planner with me in Los Angeles. So we're planting this church together. We're about three years now above ground, right? You've got like a launch team, and then you start having churches on Sunday. So like we're three years into it, and those are our kids. So Julia at the bottom is five, Anna's turning four in August, and then Martine right there. That sucker's what is he, two? Um, they're amazing. We love them. We, we've got a lot of kids, but it's only half as much as Sean. It's, uh, it's amazing. So, <laughs> it's really wild. So I call my wife. I'm like, yeah, like three of Sean's kids are sleeping out, but there's like still three here. It's like, it's amazing. <laughs> How does that even work? Hey, so we're doing ministry. God called us to plant a church in a neighborhood called Highland Park, okay? And today, so I live just right behind these shops right here, about a block. And... Um, today, our, our neighborhood is famous for the coolest bars and restaurants and speakeasies and sandwich shops that you'll find in L.A. 
about 15 years ago, our, fam- our neighborhood was famous for gang activity and violence and crime. Our neighborhood is gentrifying. And so I don't know if you guys tune into like NPR and that kind of thing, but NPR sent people out to do a special in our neighborhood for like weeks, and they just run this, this long special. Um, our neighborhood's still about 70% Latino, but there's a lot of non-Latino people that are moving in. A lot of them are really creative, and now really just the money's coming in now. The artists are done. The money's coming in. So our neighborhood is changing really fast, and God gave us a vision for a church with one table that would welcome a diverse group of neighbors, neighbors very different, to drink from the one cup of Christ's blood and to eat from his one body so that we might become his body for the sake of the world. And little by little, it's actually much slower than we would like. We're seeing this vision come into reality. So we have a church that's made up of janitors and college professors and musicians and artists and construction workers. Some of us speak only Spanish. Some of us speak only English. We don't all vote the same. But little by little, through our shared sufferings, through the shared experience of the Eucharist, we are learning to live life together in the goodness of God. I'm going to show you just some random pictures just for fun. So that is right there, Matt Autry today, dressed up like St. Nicholas because we have St. Nick's party. I think you guys do this. And this Jair and Ophelia, I'll talk about them later. No, you keep going. Thanks. Next one. By the way, great job on the clicking. That's our Easter celebration. We're about to bang on the door. You can see our priest, Jan, is super worried that the light of Christ is going to be blown out. So she's covering it. She's like, but it's like hiding under a bushel. It's like complicated. So anyway, we're about to go in there. We have, we have a great, we do it just like you guys. We party up for Easter. We do it big, mariachi band, all that stuff. That's, that's a, a view of our sanctuary. We rent from a Seventh-day Adventist church, so it's really great. That's Jenna sprinkling people, telling them to remember their baptism, which is one of the funnest things you do as a priest. This is Yvonne right here in the middle. This is last week at Pentecost Sunday, and we baptized Yvonne. He grew up in TJ and um, just recently uh, made that commitment. So it was really amazing. You can go to the next one. You actually see the water. That's really fun. Of course, baptisms are beautiful. Everybody loves it. Look how the kids are enthralled, just like you guys do, right? So that's a little bit about our church real quick. I want to tell you a few stories. For the last two years during Eastertide, so the season of Easter, we've been doing a series called Stories of Resurrection People. Of course, the lectionary, right? Like the Acts readings in John, it's about what the kind of community that's formed out of the resurrection, right? But then... We also invite members of our congregation to come up and share maybe three or four minutes their own story of resurrection. So how in their life have they passed from death to life? And so I want to just share with you some of their stories. Names have somewhat been changed for those of you that know these people. We have a woman in our church, you can call her Jane. She was born in Thailand, but she was raised in Los Angeles in a very strict Chinese Christian family. Her parents had adopted her. It was a very complicated relationship with her mother. I don't know about you guys. All of us are kind of messed up. A lot of us have some issues, right, from growing up. But I think some of the most messed up people I've ever met are people who didn't receive love from their mother, or at least the unconditional kind. Her complicated relationship with her mother got even more complicated in high school when she came out to her mother as a lesbian. 
and she ended up having to leave the house at the age of 17 because her mother became abusive. She went on to UCLA. She ended up becoming a nurse, very successful, made good money, bought a beautiful home on a hill in our neighborhood. Things were going pretty good, but then she had a breakup. Her girlfriend broke up with her. Jane became depressed, became suicidal. Family and relationships had failed her. She had nothing to live for. There's a train line that runs through our neighborhood. It's called the Gold Line. It's like a subway. People don't know this, but we do have public transportation in Los Angeles. It's a thing. We actually named our church after, we are Church of the Resurrection now, but at the beginning we were Gold Line Church. We made a shift. Jane thought to herself, I'm going to throw myself in front of the Gold Line. I have nothing to live for. A few days later, she got a flyer in the mail inviting her to Gold Line Church for Easter. Jane took up that invitation. Instead of throwing herself in front of the Gold Line, she threw herself into Gold Line Church. And last year, as she was up in front of the congregation sharing her story, she said this. It was so amazing. Preached so much better than I could preach. She told the people there, if you don't have a family... If there's nobody there for you, this can be your family. These people will take care of you. They will, they will be your friend. They will invite you in. They will accept you just as you are. Life together and the goodness of God. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to be in this together. To be the church means to have the kind of community that's so thick and so loving and so caring and there for each other that in places as lonely as even Los Angeles, that, that, that the church could even sustain singleness in a culture where marriage is the only hedge against loneliness. That's the kind of church that we're working to plant in Los Angeles that's the kind of thing we're hoping to see, the kind of community that sustains people like Jane. I'll tell you a story of another woman named Sarah. She actually grew up out here in Texas. She's an actor. She does pretty good. If you watch a lot of Hulu or HBO, you've probably seen her before. She moved a few years ago to Los Angeles from New York, has an awesome husband. They're both believers. But you know what? They hit some rocky times when they moved to L.A. They began to fight and fight and fight more and more. And she told us that on the first day she visited our congregation, that by that time they had been sleeping in separate rooms, and she just described their relationship as bitter. They weren't talking to each other. It was just really going downhill fast. Somehow she heard about our church, invited by a friend, not, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she described what happened when, when she came in the first time. So you guys have such a beautiful space here. I, I really love it. When we first started off, we were meeting in a gym. And don't think really nice public school like Texas funded gym, like this is like the worst gym that I think you would have ever seen with the most disgusting bathrooms. Anyway, we were doing all this, you know, with the chasuble and the cross and everything, just but in a really gross gym which blew people's minds. And she was sitting there with her mind blown, and we got to the point in the service 
we got to the confession. And suddenly we're kneeling there on this gym floor, and she, she says the words, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And as she spoke that confession, she described to us of just how her heart broke and how hard it had been. And suddenly her heart just broke towards her husband. And she went home to her husband and she said, we've got to work this out. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we've got to work it out. And it was a long, hard, awkward journey back, she said. They called someone, they got some counseling, they began praying together, which for her just felt so weird and so hard. But they did it, and they moved back. And so just a few weeks ago, she stood in front of our, our parish and told us just how the Holy Spirit is working in the liturgy, even something that feels so mundane like a confession of faith or the profession of our faith in the creed or the reception of Eucharist or whatever it is that you find yourself doing here week in and week out. We must never forget that what might just seem so normal to us and become something we're so used to, that it's the very thing that the Holy Spirit is using to mend lives, to soften hearts, and restore relationships. Sarah's story, it's a resurrection story. Her marriage was dead, and the same power that raised Christ from the dead also raised her marriage back to life. Sarah's story reminds us how the triune God is always present and powerfully at work through our worship and our lives. We doing okay? I got one more story for you, if that's all right. It's a good one. We got a slide for this one. Up, oh, go back. Somebody, the slide guy's happy. All right, this is good. That guy right there, Jair, his wife Ophelia, their three kids. You can see what our logo used to look like before when we were at Goldline Church. Of course, because our neighborhood has this diversity, we've always done our best to try and include everyone. Our language is, bi is bilingual, so that we pray, like for instance, the, the, the Lord's Prayer every, every week only in Spanish. So there are certain parts that we do in Spanish, certain parts in English. Jair, such an amazing guy. Somehow, um, actually another pastor that was working with us, uh, moved to apartment complex, invited him and his family, and they were with us from day one. Even before we had our first service, they were there in our living room. Jair is a loving father. He's a hardworking man. He's held several managerial positions in janitorial companies. Jair was born in Mexico, but he came to the States as a teenager. So he's been living in L.A. for about 30 years, but he's still undocumented. He still doesn't have papers, even though his brother, a U.S. citizen, has applied to help him with the process. The process is super slow, and it takes a long time. Early one Sunday morning, just back in February, I was doing some uh, last-minute sermon prep, as is my custom. I got a phone call from the family, frantic. Ice is banging on the door. They're trying to get in. They're trying to get Jair. Can you come over here? So I leave my office. I rush over there. And as I come into the apartment complex, I see three 
uh, ICE agents walking out with their machine guns. Thank heavens, no Jair. And I'm like, oh. So I go up, and of course, the family's a mess. The kids are crying, panicking. What's going on? And so we pray together, and then I do what you do. I head back to, you know, to do this, to do what we're doing here this morning. Three days later, I get another phone call at 6 a.m. It's, it's Ophelia, the wife. They took Jair. 5.44 in the morning, he was driving on the way to work, and they picked him up about a block from his house. You know, uh, church is kind of like, it can be, kind of like insurance. Like, you don't know if your insurance is going to work until you have to use it, right? Like, you get in a wreck, and you're going to find out, like, how good the insurance works. And I think for them, they had been coming to our church for three years, and they knew some people, like, kind of loved them, but maybe they didn't know just how much. And I can just tell you, I'm so proud of our church and how they rallied around this family. So right away, people started cooking meals, meals for them, taking their kids to the movies, stuff like that. Jair's the main breadwinner. So they didn't just take a father, they didn't just take a husband, but they also took the salary, right? The paycheck, the job is gone. And so my wife, just amazing mama bear, the first Sunday after, she just got up in front of the church and she was just like, well, church, we're a family, this is our family, so now it's our job to take care of them. And so we're going to take an offering right now and we're going to make sure we have enough money to get this family through and right on the spot, you know, we had like $5,000 for them. And um, people started signing up to do the meals and everything. Well, next thing you know, like every Sunday, all of these people that they had been inviting the church that had never come, suddenly they start coming. And they like our church and they start inviting more people. So suddenly their friends start coming. And really miraculously, within two weeks, God provided a, a lawyer. Jair was released. From, from prison very quickly. And so we're all super thankful, right? And just a few weeks later, we go on this retreat called Refresh. So this is like our parish retreat. You can see we're all there. Jair's there. He's free. He's been out of prison for like three weeks there. And um, a lot of these families that had just started coming to our church as a result of the way that our church just gathered around this family and loved them, a lot of them um, were on the retreat with us. One of them, is named Iban. He's the guy we saw earlier, right? So Iban says, hey, I want to be baptized. And so after refresh, we start preparing Iban for baptism. And so there's four of us. It's me, Jair, Iban, and this one other guy named Fred. And like, he's going to be like Iban's sponsor and, and help him. So we're going through the stuff. On the first day, the, the, actually the catechism, the very beginning, has some really good questions. It talks about what I talked about today. You can know about God without really knowing God. So I turned to Jair and I turned to Fred and I said, all right, we're going to like, I want, I want Ipan to hear this. Have you guys ever had an experience like this, right? Like where you go from just like kind of knowing about God to suddenly knowing God. You know what Jair said? He said, you know, on that refreshed treat, we were praying and singing and all of a sudden I felt the love of Jesus in my heart. I felt him in my heart. And ever since he had gotten picked up, he was feeling a lot of what you might think of as PTSD, like really afraid to walk out on the street. And he said, since then, this fear, this fear has been gone. It's a resurrection story. Jair passed from death to life. 
this very bad thing, this very tragic thing that happened in his life, God ended up turning it around to be something for his good. So that suddenly his friend Iban is getting baptized and suddenly Jair is connecting with Jesus on a whole nother level. He was telling uh, Jana, my wife, he's like, man, I'm in that class with Iban and I'm learning all the stuff they never told us. <laughs> like I was baptized when I was a baby, but they don't tell you this stuff. He's like, you need to have everybody raise their hand on Sunday and say, who was baptized as a baby? And like, if they raise their hand, they need to go to the class. And we're like, yeah, man, they need to go to the class. Now you guys are doing it differently here, right? I know you guys are doing a good job of teaching kids and they, they know what, yeah, yeah. But you might need to go to the class. It's possible that some of you here are like Jair. You've been, you've been around for three years. You've been doing this thing. But maybe you haven't had this experience of truly passing from death to life. Our God's in the resurrection business. And so in closing this morning, we, re- we had received earlier not only the gospel from these living epistles that I have been describing, we also received Paul's epistle from the Romans. And he says this, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, it's not by our works. Our God is a good father who delights in his children. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. He just wants us to put his trust in him and believe that he loved us so much that he would send his one and only son that we might have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to have peace. The ways that we have failed to love him well and failed to love our neighbors as ourselves have have caused a relationship to go into an irreparable space. And now we need to be restored. We can have peace because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing in the glory of God. Friends, a glorious future awaits us. We will share in the glory of God, his goodness and his beauty. We'll be united with his divine nature. He's going to make us beautiful, just like himself. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings. Knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You know, it's funny because I didn't think about this until I sat down to study for this sermon. But Paul uses the same language here that Jair was using to describe his experience. God's love has been poured out into our hearts. I felt the love of Jesus in my heart. Nobody likes suffering. I certainly don't welcome it into my life. I don't go looking for it. But suffering in Jair's life brought about hope. His sufferings resulted in God's love being poured out into his heart through the gift of the Holy Spirit that had been given to him. I think this morning the Trinity is trying to get at us. The Trinity's agenda for us is peace and hope and love. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are working to reconcile us, to justify us, to give us peace, to transform our present reality by the power of God's love. And we're going to respond to this morning 
by confessing our faith in that triune God and in the words of the creed and by confessing our sins and receiving absolution and in receiving peace and then finally in receiving the body of our Lord that is made present to us here at this table. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.